It's the book of Psalms. I can use that. Oh, let's see. The book of Galatians. Book of Galatians. Going to talk about a witch tonight. Amen. Witches. It's getting quieter and quieter. Came in Methodist, going to leave Presbyterian. Quieter and quieter. Galatians. I didn't say what chapter, did I? I'll figure that out in a minute. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to talk about a few things here tonight. I want to preach to you tonight about are you under a spell? Are you under a spell? Look what he says here in Galatians chapter 3 verse number 1. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? When you get saved by grace, you can't get right by works. You're saved by grace, you're made perfect by grace. That's all there is to that. He said, are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Some of you got saved and then you tried to get right with God on your own strength and you found out you couldn't do that. So you went on ahead and went back to living like hell. That's exactly right. You get saved by faith and you start to read God's Word and the working and the power of God's Word works in you to change you from what you was to what God wants you to be. It's almost like, uh, it's not quite this way, but it's almost like getting right on accident. I have to put it to you that way because this is the way it happens. You start coming to church and you get saved and you start reading your Bible and you start praying and you start coming to church and before you know it, you don't cuss no more. You didn't really have to make a conscious effort not to cuss. Yeah, that's right. If you just turned over a new leaf and said, man, I ain't going to cuss no more. I I better not cuss because I'm a Christian now. Pretty soon you're going to cuss. That's the difference between living by faith and living by the flesh. Your flesh does not have the power to change your flesh. Your flesh is wicked as hell and it always will be. The Bible says that the flesh is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Your flesh is never going to love God. Your flesh is never going to love God. Your flesh is always going to love fast cars and women and rock and roll and country music. Your flesh is always going to love that. But Brother Allen preached to us Sunday morning about spiritual people. Spiritual people are led by the Holy Spirit who does not like any of that stuff. The Holy Spirit don't. You do, and I do, but the Holy Spirit don't. You're led by the Spirit of God, you just stop doing those things. Like I said, almost seemed like accident. I know this, Brother... Uh, Brother Pedro, about every 10 years I'll turn around and look and say, Man, sure is a change. I don't even feel like the same person that I was when I was 16 years old. Matter of fact, I, I know I'm not because God has changed me little by little. And it happened so slowly, it happened so slowly that you'll turn around and say, Hey, I'm like, wow, what a change. What a change. I was talking to Nathan about his dog and then I heard uh, Heidi, Sister Heidi's mama, Say something about her garden that just, I mean, it's the same uh, concept. I could go out to that garden every day and look at that squash and look at that corn and look at that cucumbers and it don't seem like it's making no progress at all because I see it every day. But you take and leave for a week and come back and my goodness, how it's grown. Old Nathan said, I can't tell this dog getting no bigger at all. I said, that's because you see it every day. I see it about once a week and I think, man, that dog's growing. Well, that's the way it happens in your life. You get saved, begin to read God's Word, and begin to pray, begin to come to church. And before you know it, you'll look around and take notice and say, man, I didn't even notice, but I don't talk that way no more. 
I don't watch that same. You say, how did that happen? That happened by faith. That happened by grace. didn't happen by flesh. If your flesh had its way, it would be down to ACDC concert, George Jones concert, whatever the case may be. Everybody's got different flavor, but all those flavors equal sin. Uh, they they used to talk about it being a you know uh, you know a 32 flavor world didn't used to be that way you could get ice cream and chocolate and vanilla and that was about it I remember when I was a boy a little shop opened up on Main Street it was called Baskin Robbins home of the 32 flavors 32 flavors of ice cream <laughs> man we was we couldn't wait to go down of course we never got to go we was too poor to go there but I tell you what. Now, the first chance I got, I tried some of them other flavors. Strawberry and Rocky Road and fudge and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it didn't used to be. Listen, whatever flavor, you know, you got. we live in a diverse world now. A multicultural world now. Where this, this fellow's got this flavor sin and that fellow's got that flavor sin. And there's rock and rap and reggae and... I know some of you's got into that dreadlock, nasty, hippie kind of stuff. I know people like that. Oh, sure they do. I went in a Mexican place a couple weeks ago and they had a picture of Bob Marley up on the wall. What in the world has Bob Marley got to do with a Mexican? Anyway, but you see it's a different flavor for different folks, but it's all just another way to get you away from God. Just another way to get you away from being spiritual. I didn't mean to preach on all that. That's not even in the notes. But but that's the truth whether we like it or not. This only, verse 2, he says, This only would I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. You heard about the faith that was once delivered to the saints, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it should have changed your life if you got saved. If it didn't change your life, you didn't get saved. you on your way to hell. Amen. 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 The only people that get to heaven is converts. That's the only people that get there. There's a lot of people that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that's not going to heaven. They was a sorcerer in the book of Acts and he believed and it didn't change his heart a bit. Yeah. And the Lord said, the Bible says... That God gave His only begotten Son that people would not perish, right? Old Simon Peter looked at that sorcerer and said, Thy money perish with thee. He didn't get a change of heart, did he? No, sir. But when you, get the, when you hear the gospel and you hear it by faith, you get saved, your life is going to change. He says, Are you so foolish? Did I hit a stump there? Do we need to back up and get that again? Because we can. we got all night. Amen. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? I wouldn't plan on saying nothing about verse 4, but look what it says. Have you suffered so many things in vain? He said you started out by faith and you was walking by faith. And the Bible says all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I mean look at all the things that you've went through since the time you got saved to the time you, uh, to the time right now you begin to be bewitched by the world and bewitched by the devil and bewitched by the flesh and begin to be drawn away. What about all the stuff you done went through? Is that not worth anything to you? They sing a song, and I don't put too much weight on songs, but I think they sing a song, and I couldn't tell you the words to uh, all the words to you know, uh, no, not one. But I, I think this song says something like, uh, uh, "He said I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now." You ever heard that song? Uh, some people will take two dimes and a nickel for their journey and throw it to the four winds. That's about all their Christian life means to them. Paul says, "Hadn't you not? Hadn't you suffered?" He said, have you suffered so many things in vain? All the stuff you went through in your life? As a Christian, ain't that, don't that mean something to you? It certainly does to me. It certainly does to me. There come a time in my life when I realized that I was giving away my Christian heritage by the things that I allowed. 
Every step I took, I got further away from my old preacher. Every step that, every step that I took, I got a little bit further away from those old ladies that used to sing the songs and those men that used to sing the songs. Back up at the old home place, the old church place. I mean, every step away makes the life that you've lived and the life that you've suffered, every step you take away makes those things could be in vain. Could be in vain. I don't want it to be in vain. I want to... I not only want to learn my lessons, but I want to benefit from my lessons. Amen? Are you with me tonight? Alright. Just making sure. Back up to... Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your goodness. Lord, kind of a cold... Kind of a, kind of a cold influence in the building tonight, God. Lord, I'm not going to say the folks need to get right with God. Lord, I say we need to get right with God. And we need to wake up to the hour that we're in. And we need to examine ourselves. And we need to find out who we're being influenced by and what we're being influenced by. We need to begin again, God, to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. We need, dear God, to go back and do the first works. We need, dear God, to understand how good You've been to us. All the great things that You've done for us. God, we are ahead of the game when we're living this Christian life. And we thank You, God, for Your many blessings. We praise You, O God, for Your many blessings. And I thank You and praise You, O God, for all You've done. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, Brother Nathan was trying to tell you a while ago uh, some things we were going over in the Sunday school class. And and I think that kind of fits right here a little bit. And we uh, begin, when we get saved, you remember what it was like when you first got saved? You was kind of happy if you got saved. If you got saved, you was kind of happy. Now, you might not have been kind of happy. Somebody might have forced you to pray a little prayer. Somebody might have had you to pray a little prayer before you understood what it was you was actually doing. That might have happened. But if you got saved, Brother Pedro, there was a little bit of change there. Now, we don't get saved by feelings, but salvation does cause a feeling. Yes, it does. Somewhere along the way, you ought to be happy about something that pertains to God. Something about God ought to make you happy just the least little bit. Just the fact that He let you live and breathe today. Just the fact He let you chew on a piece of fried squash ought to make you feel kind of good. Amen. We had some last night. It was good too. Amen. Fried stuff. Amen. The fact that we know, hey, God said you could eat anything you want to eat as long as you give thanks for it. That makes me happy. Everything I do, everything I enjoy, I try to apply it to the gospel. Just be thankful. Somebody said, hey, that stuff's going to kill you. Not unless God lets it. That's exactly what... You'd be happy. You'd be a lot happy if you'd start living that way too. My old, my great uncle, he's about 98 years old now. They've been telling me he's going to die for the last two years. I keep saying, man, I need to get up there and see him. I want to see him. But I tell you what, he eats eggs and, and fried eggs and fried bacon and fried... Anybody ever eat tenderloin? Anybody ever had a tenderloin biscuit? And country ham... Anybody ever had a country ham biscuit? Yeah. Now, listen... You don't really like country ham unless they sell it in every place around. Down here you can buy it at Harvey's, but they just don't... Listen, if you go up where I live, you go in any restaurant and ask them for a country ham biscuit, and you can get yourself one. I remember one time me and my uncle, we was riding around, we stopped for breakfast, and we went into the place. And this lady come in there and she said, Can I take your order? (laughs) Oh, we knew she done moved in for somewhere else. And around there, we don't say, can I have a country ham biscuit? We just say, give me a ham biscuit. And everybody knows what you're talking about. So we said, can we have a, we said, can we have a ham biscuit? And a, yeah, he ordered a cup of coffee and some eggs. And I ordered a ham biscuit. And she said, would that be country ham or city ham? I've been to Jacksonville and Denver and I've been to uh, Florence, South Carolina and Charleston, South Carolina. I've been to all kinds of cities. I've been to Charlotte and Raleigh and Durham. I've been to Philadelphia. I've been to New York City. I ain't never seen a hog in one of them places. They ain't no, there ain't no such thing as a city ham. <laughs> a city ham. Uh, city ham or a country ham. Well, listen, listen. 
God said you could eat anything you wanted to as long as you give thanks for it. And that old man up there in the mountain, he's still eating it today. You're going to die. What difference does it make to him? He's 98 years old. Uh, you're going to die from something, amen. I mean, but we're talking about things you can enjoy. We was talking about the comfort of the second coming. You know what the second coming represents? Brother Henry, it represents you getting overpaid. How many of you got a job? If you got if you got if you got a job and you make ten dollars an hour and you work forty hours and you get your paycheck on Friday and that paycheck is says fifteen hundred dollars on it, if you're honest, the first thing you do is you step back and say, Oh, this ain't right. Ten dollars an hour, forty hours, does that equal fifteen hundred dollars? Well, what do you do if you're honest? You take it back. You walk into your boss man, you say, hey, this ain't right. Maybe he takes a look at it and says, hey, you're right. But because you're honest, I'm going to let you keep this check. Boy, that'd be gracious, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. Now, let me ask you a question. On your way home, how do you feel? Pretty awesome. The girl that ain't even got a job is the only one in the building that answers that question. Let me ask you something. If you're on your way home with $1,500 when you only earned $400 and most of that would have got took out with taxes, you would only had about $110 left. On your way home, you would have been worried about the power bill and the electric bill and the cable bill and the telephone bill and the cell phone bill and the doctor bill and the tire bill and propane bill and your wife bill. (laughs) But you get all that extra for nothing. What you worried about on the way home? You crying? If your back hurts, are you even worried about that? Well, my goodness, you got saved and God gave you everything for nothing. You worry all the time. Don't make sense, does it? Don't make sense. And you felt like that the day you got saved. But something happened between then and now that got you down in the mouth. Worried all the time. Can't keep your mind focused on the the important things. You'd witness sometimes if you wasn't so worried. Ain't that right? right. You would read your Bible sometime if you weren't so preoccupied with the... I hate to keep going back to Dancing with the Stars, but I can't remember all these shows people come tell me. Let me tell you, if if your preacher is preaching against television programs, don't come tell him the names of new television programs. I'm just kidding, girls. Keep me armed. Keep me armed. I want to stay up to date. The voice or whatever. It's hard to, you know, pray and read your Bible and, you know, be joyous all the time when the things of this world holding you down, ain't it? You say, what, what is it? You've been under a spell. Somebody put a spell on you. Somebody gave you the evil eye. You know, folks used to be that, that, that uh, what do you call it, uh, superstitious. People used to be superstitious if they got, had a pain in their side. They said, maybe when I went to town today, somebody gave me the evil eye. You don't think people that superstitious? You let somebody walk under a ladder. <laughs> Throwing the salt over their shoulder. Oh, you broke a mirror. Seven years of bad luck. I guarantee you, every mirror you break, you think it. Seven years bad luck. It's just glass. <laughs> Black cat crossed the road, turned your head around backwards, making an X on the windshield. Y'all don't know nothing about that stuff, do you? I guess it's just mountaineers that's that superstitious. But I tell you what, people put a lot of stock in that stuff. People put a lot of stock. People put more stock in that stuff than they do the Word of God. That's why they feel like they do. Well, I got news for you already. If you're worried about walking under a ladder, uh, listen. Where I'm from, it's bad luck if you're walking down the street. People think it's bad luck if you take and turn and walk on the outside of a light pole. You know what I'm talking about? 
You know, they put those sidewalks down the streets and they got light poles, you know, along the side of the street. They think it's bad luck if you walk on the outside of one. You say, why? Because they're stupid. <laughs> that, that's, that's the only reason I can think of. I mean, only, only being stupid would cause you to think that a black cat running across the road would mean anything at all. Listen, it probably come from Baptist folks. They some primitive Baptists up there in the mountains where I'm from. They think they know they're saved because a little old squirrel hopped across the street and looked at them. Yeah. Those folks believe that it's a sign to them if an animal stops and looks at them during the course of a day. You've been bewitched. Somebody has put a spell on you. You say, do you believe in that and putting that spell on you? It must be true. It's in the Bible. What did he say? Old foolish Galatians. Let me give you a quick Bible. Y'all got time to take a quick Bible study? Uh, We'll just divert from the, the lesson. We're talking about are you under a spell. But you see what he calls them right there? He says, old foolish Galatians. That, that's a little lesson right there in how to rightly divide the word of truth. Turn in your Bible and look at Matthew chapter 5. Any of you ever read Matthew chapter 5? What does Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5 begins what? Come on, Bible believing folks, King James Bible believers. It starts the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of people are so superstitious they're trying to get to heaven by living the Sermon on the Mount. Well, look what he says about the Sermon on the Mount. He says in Matthew 5, verse 22, he says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. You hear what that said? You ever call somebody a fool? Huh? You see what Paul said to those Galatians? He says, Oh foolish Galatians. He said, Well, Brother Mike, he didn't say thou fool. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And verse number 35. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool. Paul the Apostle, led by the Holy Spirit of God, just said what Jesus said not to say, or else you'll be in danger of going to hell. How do you figure that? Contradiction! No, sir, it ain't no contradiction. That's why the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus Christ's ministry to Israel and Jesus Christ's ministry to you Gentile believers are not the same thing. That's why you try to keep that Sermon on the Mount and you will go to hell. You find me one place where Jesus said to a Jewish believer before the cross, trust in the Lord or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved with all your family. I'll wait till you find it. It ain't there. Jesus' ministry to the Jews was a ministry of sight. His ministry to the Gentiles, a ministry of mercy, administered by faith. You got such a blessing. You got such a blessing. A thing that will jeopardize and damn a Jewish person under Judaism means nothing at all to you. Because you've never seen Jesus. You never seen Moses. You never seen his ministry. You never seen the miracles. You never seen any of those things that God showed to Israel. They don't even have an opportunity to believe on him by faith. You say, why? Because that which is seen cannot be faith. How can you have faith in this piece of paper? You don't have to have faith in the piece of paper. There it is. You believe in this piece of paper? Sure, I've seen it. Just like the children of Israel seen the mighty miracles of God. Somebody come up to you on the street and say, Did you see the Red Sea part? No, sir. Did you see Jesus hanging on the cross? No, sir. 
Well, how do you expect to get to heaven? I believe He died for me. When the few, there was a few Gentiles, just a few Gentiles that got near to Jesus Christ when He was on His earthly ministry. And every time He had interaction with them, whether it was a woman or whether it was a centurion, Roman centurion, He said, such faith I've not seen in Israel. There's a difference. That's just a little Bible study there for you. Galatians. Back to Galatians. Still with me? Galatians chapter number 3. You got to study your Bible. You got to read your Bible. You got to pour over your Bible. Now, see, the world takes those two verses and says that's an unfortunate translation because in one place he said, Don't say thou feel fool, and another place he says, Thou fool. So it must be a contradiction. No, it's not a contradiction. You just ain't applying it to the right people, to the right places. Wouldn't you be foolish to be building an ark in your backyard because God told Noah to build an ark? Son, you are out of context if you're building an ark. And good luck with lassoing all them animals and getting them in there because God ain't sending them to you. He sent them to Noah. Amen? Have I strayed too far off the context to continue preaching this message? Look what he says. Chapter 3. Now let's look what he says. Oh, foolish Galatians. Like I say, that's a lesson in rightly dividing. But let me say this for sure. It's foolish to have ungodly influence. It's not going to help you. You say, why did he call them foolish Galatians? I mean, don't he know anything about love? Sure he does. That's why he called them foolish. If you see somebody acting foolish and you don't tell them they're acting foolish, you don't love them. Ain't that right? Brother Henry, if you saw one of your girls driving 90 miles an hour on the left side of the road like she was one of them Englanders, I guarantee you'd tell her she's driving foolishly. That's exactly right. Well, when folks are living foolishly, a preacher's supposed to stand up and say, you're going to hit somebody you keep driving like that. Amen? The Bible says if you don't whip your child, he said you hated them. Didn't he say that? Amen. Old foolish Galatians. There'll be time. There'll be time for loving and sovereign and playing harps when we get to heaven. This is the this is the side of heaven where we're supposed to get right. Amen. Amen. Old foolish Galatians. If my daddy wouldn't have called me a fool, if my preacher wouldn't have called me a fool, if my mama wouldn't have called me a fool, if a couple of my uncles wouldn't have called me a fool, I wouldn't have known I was a fool, and I'd have kept on being foolish, and I'd have grown up a fool, and then I'd raise me a some children that was fools. And I would have probably married a fool. That's why you warn people when they're being foolish so they'll stop doing those things if they got any sense. Some of them will go on and, and be destroyed. Ain't that what the Bible says? Right. Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? It's foolish to have ungodly influence. It's foolish not to be led by the truth. It's foolish for you to be saved and not read your Bible. It's foolish for you to be saved and not listen to the preacher. It's foolish. It's foolish for you to be saved and not listen to the Sunday school teacher. It's foolish. It's foolish when your principal down at school corrects you and you don't listen. Foolish. Foolish. It's foolish when the police officer writes you a ticket and you keep doing it over and over and over like your preacher and his seatbelt. Amen? Amen. The truth is true for you. The truth is true for me. Amen? I'll own that one. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently uh, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. We're going to try to stay in this verse and I'm going to ask you a few questions. He says, first of all, he says, Who hath bewitched you? You know what you ought to do? Turn with me. We're going to turn a little bit tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13. And he says this, verse number 3, he says, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though He was crucified through weakness, yet He liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in Him, but we shall live with Him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves. 
whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own self know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. You see what he says in verse number five? He says, Examine yourself. He didn't really say for the preacher to examine you. Or the Sunday school teacher to examine you. All I know is what I see, and I see you about maybe three or four hours a week. I see you in total. I don't have time to follow you around with the micro, uh, with the microscope or with a with a looking glass and look at every aspect of your life to see if you're living right. The Bible says the Bible says that you're supposed to examine yourself. And besides this, if if I hung around you 24 hours a day, seven days a week like some of you want a preacher to do, which what is not in the Bible for a preacher to do, pretty soon you'd think me and you was friends. And then when I preach down your alley one day, you'd think, well, he's mad at me. He's not my friend no more. I'm a preacher first. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. That's why I tell my little girl, Tori, she's friends with her, with her school teacher. And I, I tell her, I say, look, you can't be. She's older than you, one thing. And I said, plus, when she scolds you, you're going to take it to... Take it to heart, and she better scold her. Amen. That's that's her teacher. You see what I'm saying? And and listen, when your preacher becomes your friend, you've lost the preacher. Now I'm friendly with every one of you, and I'm friends with every one of you, and love every one of you. But you see what I'm talking about, don't you? You have to examine yourself, and you have to answer to Christ, right? I have to answer to Christ for what I preach to you and what I teach you, but you ultimately are going to stand in front of God. Now listen, you've got it on a little bit on the easy side. You stand before God with something wrong, and I'm the one that taught it to you. Guess who has to answer for that? Not you, me. Amen? Am I off in a third dimension or something like that tonight? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The Bible gives you the responsibility of examining yourself. You know what he means by that? Paul asked those Galatians, he says, Who hath bewitched you? That's what you've got to ask yourself. You've got to take out the pages of your life and begin to research what happened yesterday and what happened the day before that and what happened the day before that. And if you'll study those pages a little while, you'll find out where you lost your love for Christ. You'll find out where you lost your joy for Christ. You'll find out where you, where you lost your joy for reading the Word of God. You'll find out where your joy went about praying. You'll find out where your desire went where you used to love to pray. And now you don't love to pray anymore. If you'll examine yourselves. Examine, listen, you know your life better than I do. You know your life better than your wife knows. Better than your husband knows. You know who you are. And if you're a Christian, if you love God, and you'll examine your life, you do not have to come to the preacher and say, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Why do I act this way? Why am I going through this? All you got to do is study your life a little bit and examine yourself and you'll say, aha, there's the problem. And guess what? You ain't never going to come across a page in your little book where you say, oh, there's my problem. It was the time that my wife done this. Or it was the time that my husband done this or it was the time that my friend done this you're never going to find a, not one of those events that messed you up Amen. Yeah. you're going to examine you're going to examine those pages of your life and you're going to say aha it's when I got mad about that it was when I got bitter about that it was when I took that the wrong way it was when I couldn't get over that that's when I lost my love for the Lord Jesus Christ you're going to, you know who the witch is don't you it's you. Oh, Paul says, who hath bewitched you? It's you. It was the Galatians themselves. It was when you started listening to foolishness. They used to say, junk in, junk out. You ever heard that? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you start allowing junk in, that's all you're going to get out. We used to, I used to have so much fun in school. I mean, I went to Christian school, ACE school, till I was in the fourth grade. But then mom and daddy took us out, you know. And there must have been something, you know, had to, probably had something to do with television because right after we got a television, we started going to public school. Funny how that happens, ain't it? But anyway, anyway, listen, anyway, when I got into public school, one of the first things that I can remember about public school 
I was in the fourth grade. I went into the lunchroom and I'm sitting here eating my food. And I look up on the wall and I see these, this piece of toast. And it's got arms and it's got legs. And it was the funniest thing you've ever seen. A little smiley face. And there's an orange right behind it and it's got arms and legs. And they looked all weird. I don't even know how they were standing like, like they were drawn. But you know what that sign said? It says you are what you eat. That was so funny I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I laughed about. I went there, I went home today and said, "Mama, I think I'm going to turn it into a piece of pizza." <laughs> said, "What are you talking about?" The sign said, "You are what you eat." I took things literally when I read them. I don't have no problem believing the King James Bible is literal. I take the the, the lunchroom uh, nutritional facts sign literally. Amen. You are what you eat. I said, "Mama, I'm going to turn it into pizza." And uh, but anyway, you are what you eat. Yeah. If you eat healthy, you are. Healthy. If you eat McDonald's, you're okay. If the Lord blesses it, Amen. <laughs> all right, all right. Are you eating thankful food or are you eating unhealthy food? We'll put it that way. There's only two kinds. Well, anyway, you understand. If you're putting junk in your body, if you're putting junk in your mind, you're getting junk out. Yeah. Yes, sir. If you're having trouble with sin that you can't beat, it's because you're putting it in. You are putting it in there. The book of Genesis is not putting it in there. The Sunday school teacher is not putting it in there. You say, Brother Mike, I was born with it. Yeah, but the Bible says if you'll walk after the, after the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm born with it. I'm just honestly a sinner. Baptists love that kind of stuff because, oh, I'm born a sinner and all I'll ever be is a sinner. So happy am I because I can just go wallow in the hog pen. No, sir. Salvation is not a license for you to sin. It's a license for you to get over sin. Is that right or wrong? Is that right or wrong? A lot of Baptists hiding behind eternal security when you ain't got a leg to stand on, you're probably still wicked because you lost. You ain't never got saved to begin with. When, I'll just be as straight as I possibly can with you. When I knock on doors and they come to the door with pink hair and pot on their breath, uh, and they say I'm saved, in my mind I'm saying, no, you're not. You need to get right with God. You need to, you need to get saved. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I know I'm becoming more unpopular as the sermon goes, but, but that's the truth. I just really don't care. Amen? Amen. That's the truth. I'll be on God's side. Amen? He said, who hath bewitched you? When he says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, when he says, examine yourselves, what he's really saying here is, find out what's wrong with your life. Find out if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. I'm going to say this, if you don't read your Bible, you're not in the faith. If you don't pray, you're not in the faith. If you're not winning souls, listen, I should say it this way, if you're not witnessing the souls, you're not in the faith. God didn't command you to win souls. God commanded you to be a witness. The Bible says, He that winneth souls is wise, but that, that don't even go into the equation. It's a, does God give the increase or do you? God gives the increase. So all you've got to do, all you're responsible for, is opening your mouth and saying, Jesus died for you. That's it. That's all. You say, I'm not doing that, Brother Mike. You're not in the faith. You're not in the faith. Is that too rough for a Baptist, Bible-believing, King James-only, Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, independent Baptist church? Examine yourself. You know what? He says, who hath bewitched you? That means you're following another influence. Ain't that what it means? You know what John chapter, John chapter 10 says? John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. Is that all he said? No, sir. He said, another will they not follow. Let's read it. Y'all got time to read tonight? Oh, yeah. You say you're a mad preacher, never been happier. Never been happier. John chapter 10, look at verse number 1. Verily, verily, you better listen up. He's fixing to tell the truth. He's throwing a double truth on you. Verily means truly. Verily, verily, I say unto you. You say, why didn't he say truly, truly? Because he said verily, verily. <laughs> truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. 
But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter, that's John the Baptist, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. John the Baptist opened the door, Jesus came in, called out his sheep, and walked out. His sheep followed him. He says, leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. He don't follow them, they follow him. He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow. Boy, that's convicting right there. You say, for who, Brother Mike? For me. I'm not following Lester Roloff. I'm not following Mick Jagger. I'm not following Eminem. I'm not following Carl Lackey. Hey, listen, I've seen... I found a new person to. I was coming through the through the line at the checkout counter buying me some eggs and some flaky biscuits today. And I looked over to the left. I mean, you can't hardly help but do it. But there was one of the pornographic magazines sitting right there by the counter. And J-Lo has a new boyfriend. His name is Casper. Now, when I was a boy, Casper was a little cartoon ghost. But but evidently now he is uh, uh, some kind of a superstar of some kind. I don't know what kind. But there's a fellow named Casper wandering around and folks are worshiping him. How about that? I'm not being led by Casper. Listen, if a guy can't pull his pants up and look decent in public and act like he's got some sense, I'm not following him. Amen? Amen. And you girls, we go back over it again. If a fella can't get away from the PlayStation, you probably want to leave him alone. (laughs) Amen? I wish there were some young fellas here. I... Ah, yes, sir. Oh, you fellas are sitting too far away. I ain't got my glasses. I'd like to be able to see you before I start talking to you. But anyway, but anyway, you understand what I'm talking about. He says, if you if it's a stranger, he said you won't hear his voice. That's what. Listen. Sometimes I sit down. And I'll try. I'll try. You know, I can't watch anything at my house but what I've got on CD or DVD or something. But the more I live, the more I find out that even the stuff I like, I... What are they really doing here? I mean, I guess, the, I guess the best way to look at it is, the more you read your Bible, the smarter you get. And the things of this world that have no purpose, and entertainment is not a purpose... I didn't say it was bad. I didn't say it was necessarily wicked. But I'm just saying it's to no purpose. I'm not following that kind of stuff. No, sir. I'm not going to let it influence me. Not going to let it teach me how to dress. Not going to let it teach me how to talk. If I did, I'd say GD in between every other word. I heard a young man talking the other day, and he knowed I was a preacher. He knowed who I was, but he couldn't help it. He didn't even know what he was doing. Every other word. Yeah, preacher, I went down there to that effing store and, and this. Ain't that bad? That's what's on television. Yes, sir. If a, if a young man talked like that in front of my wife or one of my girls, I'd shut his mouth for him. Yes, sir. Oh, preacher, a striker. That's not a striker. That's decent. Amen? 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 Mm, I've done ruined the spirit, haven't I? <laughs> but we're going to go on anyway. We're going to go a little further, even if we do fall on our face. You see what he said? He said, a stranger, verse 5, a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. You know why it's so tense in here right now? Because some of you, some of you have been bewitched. Some of you is under a spell. Some of you been in a stranglehold by the devil and he's doing everything he can to do with just a few simple things. It's not a great equation, 
The devil only has a few object, objects in your life. And listen, all he wants to do is just keep you away from the Bible just a little bit. Keep you off your knees. Keep you from praying. Ain't it amazing, Brother Mike, you go a, you a hundred years without getting hurt and when you do it, it's a knee. So you can't get down and pray. See, you think things are just a coincidence. I don't think like that. I think everything happens for a reason. Amen? I'm more of a Calvinist than some Calvinists are. Amen? Amen. He said, Who hath bewitched you? Are you obeying the truth? Listen, are you obeying the truth? Are you reading? Are you witnessing? Are you living by faith? Listen, if not, why not? Because you've been under the wrong influence. Under the wrong influence. Somebody's bewitched you. And he didn't say what. He said who? Facebook didn't bewitch you. I give Facebook quite a bit of trouble, don't I? You think I give two flips about Facebook? Or whether you got it? I could care less about Facebook. There ain't nothing wrong with Facebook. Did y'all know that? Y'all already knew that, didn't you? You know, you know, you know how you get in trouble on Facebook. There's some who's on there. There's some who's on there. He didn't say what hath bewitched it. Uh, listen, I was talking about that PlayStation and stuff. There ain't nothing wrong with a PlayStation. Ain't nothing wicked about a PlayStation. The thing wicked about it is you'll spend all your time on there. You are the who. Amen? Amen. On that Facebook, you get on there and some little gospel be whispering about how she's living like hell or how he's living like hell and he's mad at the preacher or she's mad at the preacher because he the only thing in the world he'd done was warn him or her that they was going to ruin their life in sin. And that's all in the world they are mad at. Listen, let me tell you this. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something straight as I can tell you. You've got, and 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 you've got the nicest, sweetest preacher on the face of this earth. <laughs> That's the God's honest truth if you've ever heard it. I'll say it again. Yes. You've got the sweetest, kindest, loving, <laughs> most gracious preacher on the face of the earth. You want me to prove it? Please. You want me to prove it? Please. You lay out of somebody else's church about four or five services. You go down to Reverend so-and-so's church and you sit in his church and you stare in like this. When he's preaching to you about loving one another, and see if he comes down off the pew and shakes hands with you. You disagree with him on one little thing, and see if he still has anything to do with you. Am I telling you, have y'all ever been to another church and sat under another preacher when you didn't do something just like he wanted it done, and he just. And those screw light bulbs and throw them against the wall and act like a genuine jackass. You say, why? Because that's what he is. He's a hireman and he can give a flip about you. And listen, when you come to this church, you're going to get preached to. And if i got to dig up your whole backyard, I'm going to dig it up. Septic tank and all. But you get mad at me all you want to. You lay out five months in a row if you want to. I'm still going to be loving you and praying for you. And when you come back, I'll stick out my hand and say, Glad to see. And I won't be lying. I'll be glad. Yeah. I'll be glad. So don't go out of this church and say, that preacher, he's so mean. And he's so good, he just don't understand us. I understand you. You're wicked as the day is long. That's what I understand. And listen, I'm wicked as the day is long. And God saved me and changed my life and He'll do it for you too. Well, here, get on Facebook it. So mean. He just don't understand. And I hope I'm hitting somebody because I don't got Facebook and I don't know what you're saying, but I do got the Spirit of God. And it just comes down, (laughs) comes down from the heavens. Yes, sir. I know that's true because about every time I preach in here, somebody gets mad and goes out. That's right. 
And I walk out, I walk out of the church like this. Oh, I might have offended somebody walking on eggshells, and God just picks me up and goes, Come up and down on me. Yeah. Yeah. The sooner you get your little eggshell broke, the better off we'll be. Yeah. We break your shell, we'll find out if you're runny or hard bull. Yeah. Amen. What we need is some just hard bull Christians that can take it. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Yeah. My preacher used to preach on Eddie Christian. Remember that? Ooh. Eddie Christians. Better not drop you. Because if you break, you'll run all over the place. Amen. That's my contribution to it. You know what Hebrews 12 talks about? You know what Hebrews 12 talks about? It talks about a besetting sin. And it's not flattery neither. You've said that before, Brother Mike. I'm going to say it again. Besetting sin. It says, you know what it says about you, great Christian? It says, which does so easily beset us. You know what I like? You know what, you know what your preacher likes? Your preacher likes country music. So when I go down to these fine eating establishments in town, all owned by Christians, and sit there and listen to the country right. music, right. I'll reach out, right. look down. From the table up, my face is going. From the table down, my foot's going. Does <laughs> <laughs> so easily, what's that? And you're walking around the rest of the day. What am I going to preach on Sunday? I can't even think of no words right now, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I probably shouldn't be doing that no way. Let me, let me get to the end of the sermon. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. Let me ask you a question. Let, let me ask you to be honest. Let me ask you to be honest for just a minute. How many of you folks think you're under a spell? Yes, sir, just be honest. You're under a spell. I mean, ain't there something in your life that keeps going? And reeling you back in? I mean, you'll take five good steps as a Christian. Pretty soon, something yeah. jerks you back down on your behind. Oh, yeah. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. You bewitched. You under a spell. But we got the spell breaker. Look what he says in Galatians chapter one. It kind of hurt. <laughs> Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised Him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the church of the Galatia, church of Galatia. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. It continually amazes me when he preaches to Corinthian, a carnal church. Uh, to Galatia, a doctrinally incorrect church. He always, he opened, listen, if it was you, if it was me, we would have opened up and said, you bunch of Galatians mixed up in that false doctrine, you better get right with God. The power of God is going to come down the lightning from God and the fire from God is going to come down and burn you to death. That's the way you and I would start out. But to these Galatians, these folks that are messed up, teaching a false doctrine, He says, grace be to you and peace from God our Father. That's why I can come back to church every Sunday. And though you lay out, and though you listen to country music, and though you do mess with Facebook and Twilight and everything in the world that I've been preached against a thousand times, I can still come to church and say, Grace be to you. I know, I know, I know that this is God's church just because God's that graceful. Amen? Sure. Sure. Look what he says. Grace be to you and peace. I didn't mean to get off the subject again. That just leaked out at me from the page there. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might... What's that word? Oh, yeah. Do you know anything about deliverance? Yes. That's where you got saved at right there. Deliverance Street. That's where you got saved at. That's where you're going to get... Oh, revived. That's where you got saved. That's where you're going to get revived. That's where you're going to get your joy back. That's where you're going to get your shout back. That's where you're going to get your encouragement. That's where you're going to get happy again. That's where you're going to leave your depression. That's where you're going to leave your care. 
cares. That's where you're going to stop caring when people talk bad about you. That's when you're going to quit caring about whether people receive you or not or understand you or not. You're going to get it right there. Number one, deliverance street. That's where you get it at. Deliverance. You know what you need some of you tonight? You need deliverance. I can remember, boy, I can remember I had many a fight with an old Copenhagen can. Girls, don't ever kiss a boy, period, till you get married. But if they got that rain old can in their back pocket, that is nothing to kiss. That's nasty stuff. Man, I go up to the Okie Fanoki Sportsman and buy a can of worms, and that stuff ain't. Y'all ever bought one of them cans? It looks exactly like a can of Copenhagen. Don't kiss no boys chewing on Copenhagen. Get right with God, and then let's and then let's get married. If you get right with God, you won't want to be kissing before you get married. Now, boys, I can talk to you. Don't ever start chewing no tobacco. You say, them boys too young to chew tobacco. Hey, I started in the sixth grade. Sixth grade. If I could go back to the sixth grade, I probably weighed about 15 pounds. And this boy that gave it to me was as big as Austin. And we was both in the um, big old boy. But if I could go back to the sixth grade just for a minute... And I just jumped on my girls. If we, if you had a time machine, would you? Go? And I got on to them because that's foolishness. But if I could go back in the time machine, I'd go punch that boy in the face for giving me that tobacco. Amen. Mm. How did I get on that anyway? Oh yeah, I fought with that can a long time before I said, "Lord, deliver me from it." You know how it started. You know, you know why I had such a trouble with it. You know why I had a hard time with that Copenhagen. I read you the verse a while ago. Turn back to Galatians chapter 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? I took my arm, stuck my arm in my pocket, and grabbed that can of Copenhagen with a fleshly arm, and laid it down about a hundred thousand times, and said, I ain't going to do it no more. Three hours or drive by the next convenience store. Fork out the money for it. You say, why? The arm of flesh can't lay nothing down. The arm of the flesh is just going along with whatever's happening in the head. When the head says, I better get rid of it, the arm will lay it down. When the head says, I better pick it up, the arm will pick it up. It don't work that way. You've got to have somebody on the inside that's got longer and stronger arms than you got to reach that spiritual hand into your pocket and pick that mess up and throw it away for you. You say, what is that, Brother Mike? That is deliverance. In the very same way, one day that arm reached out of heaven and down in your heart and took out every fleshly sin that you ever done and flung it to the deepest part of the ocean and then moved in. That's how you got saved. That's how you live day by day. Listen, your flesh is going to be influenced every day. Your flesh is going to be bewitched every day. Listen, when somebody says, you want a cigarette? They're trying to throw a spell on you. When they say, you want to slip into the back seat of this car? They're trying to throw a spell on you. When they say, you want to take this little bit of drugs right here? They're trying to throw a spell on you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You say, no thanks. I've got the old spell that Lester Roloff used to preach about. The gospel. (laughs) How about that? Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. For what? Your deliverance. Your deliverance. Heavenly Father, I thank You tonight, O God, for Your goodness, for Your mercy. Pray God You'd help us. Lord, I hadn't got to preach in here for the last couple of weeks. And Lord, I thank You for the opportunity to preach. I thank You, dear God, for an extra few minutes You gave me to preach. I thank You for the Spirit of God that was present here tonight, God. And Lord, I pray You'd help somebody. Lord, if You just if you just move into somebody's life, God, and take over with Your arm of, uh, arm of the Spirit, God, that strong arm, Your right arm that delivered Israel uh, from down in Egypt, Your right arm, God, that delivered all of Israel's 
enemies into their hand, God. I pray you'd help us tonight. God, walk with us and guide us and lead us, dear God. And help us, dear God, to do what you'd have us to do. Help us to examine ourselves, O God. Help us, God, and lead us, O God. Have mercy on us, dear God. And we'll thank you for what you do. God, we're going to have revival next week, God. If we have revival, it'll be because you awaken our hearts. God, we can have a week of meetings, but revival, God, is in the hearts. And whether or not they want it, and whether or not I want it, whether or not Brother Mark is prepared to preach, God, Lord, help us to be willing and obedient, dear God, just to follow you next week, God. Whether there be five people in the service, or fifty people in the service, or a hundred people in the service, help us, O God, to be faithful, to just follow after your will, follow after your direction, and we'll thank you, dear God, for what you do. Thank you. For your many blessings. For your many blessings, I thank you. God, I thank you for all you've done for us. We ask you, God, just to continue to lead us. God, give us the money that we need for this little building, God. Lord, we don't want to harp on it. We don't want to worry about things like that. But God, Lord, you know exactly what this building needs. You know exactly what we need as a congregation. Give us the spiritual first. But God, I pray you'd provide us with the funds for these physical things that we do won't, dear God. Lord, and I thank you, God, for what you do and praise you for what you do. In Christ's name, I say, Amen. 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 All right.